It's amazing to me that that God always expresses Himself time and time again as Father. And that, that is the picture that He chooses to send to us. The image of a Father who loves His people, His sons and daughters with such passion, with such ferocity, with such purpose that His heart is always towards us. That it's never distant from us. That it's right there for us to touch, for us to to embrace, for us to to come close to ourselves. And all it takes for us to do is just to believe that it's possible to know this great heart, the creator of the universe, who expresses himself as father because he wants us to feel like sons and daughters and to believe that we are his sons and daughters. And this is how he chooses to express himself time and time and time again because He wants us to woo us, our hearts back to Him. And He wants to woo this world's heart back to Him. And this world is desperate this morning. I am so off script. But, you know. We saw, all of us saw this headline this week. Everyone had various degrees of, of reaction to this. And maybe mine's different. I think God has been fixing this ever since He said the words, let there be light. That even before He said those words, His heart was intent on fixing this. That's why He sent Jesus. When Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago, God was intent on fixing this. When Jesus started His ministry, went to the cross and died for our sins, God was intent on fixing this. When Jesus rose up from the dead, God's intention was to fix this. God's always been fixing this. The beauty of his heart is that he always wants to express hope. When he said those words, let there be light, that was a word, uh, words of creation, but it was creating hope from the very beginning. The second Advent, second Sunday of Advent is about hope. Last year at this time, and I didn't realize it until the other day, I spoke about hope. There has been prophecies over me in the past year that I would be a man of hope. Hope is what this world needs. It's it's desperate for hope. It writes headlines like that because they don't see God working. They don't think God is fixing things. They They think that politicians are hiding behind platitudes, that Christians are hiding behind platitudes. They're lost. They have no concept of what hope is. No idea what hope is. A year ago, 
I said the word, the, the Hebrew word for hope was tifa, tifa. And it meant that you would tie a cord around yourself and be attached to God. There would be no way for you to lose hope because you're attached to God. The world doesn't have that. It doesn't have any concept of tying a rope around themselves and connecting it to someone that is higher than who they are. Whose hardest father is to fix things. To redeem things. To bring sons and daughters who are lost and walking around in darkness, which we talked about last week, and bring them into the light so they can see Him for who He is. Today is really a day of hope for us. Even though the world doesn't think so, even though we might see news and hear news and read news and have personal things that we're walking through that seem to contradict the word of hope, the truth still remains that He is a God of hope. He is always a God of hope. And that's how He fixes things. With hope. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for son means the builder of a family name. The builder of a family name. Father God was intent on building a family and bringing us into His family. For unto us a son is given, the builder of a family name is given, granted and appointed. Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a mission to bring us into the family, to be the son that starts a family. His mission was to bring us into the government, His kingdom. His kingdom, not the world's kingdom, not any political party's kingdom, not the United States of America's kingdom. His kingdom. Why is it His kingdom? Because it should be on His shoulder, His place of burden. Only Jesus gets to carry this. He's the only one that's worthy, strong enough, powerful enough in order to carry sons and daughters back into the kingdom. He's the only one. It's His burden. If it's his burden, then it's not ours. It's his burden. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Marvelous, Marvelous, Counselor, Advisor, Mighty God. And this is, I love this, Mighty God. God is a warrior. He is a champion. Basically, God is a divine hero. Everlasting Father, a Father that is always there. And the Prince of Peace. He rules over peace. And because He rules over peace, He can deliver it whenever and however He chooses to deliver it. He has the authority to speak peace into everyone's heart. Everyone's heart. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the originator of peace. He is Shalom Peace. Peace to every part of who we are. Physical, 
spiritual, mental, relational, financial, anything, any category you get up there, that's what shalom means. Peace to all those areas. If God is all those things, and He is, if He is Father, and if He is hope, and He wants to, us to deliver a message of hope to this world, because those headlines, that, that's not just a headline, that's a question. They want hope. They may not know it, but they want hope. They're looking for it. And guess where they're looking for? Towards. The church. They might be criticizing the church, and they might be criticizing representatives of the church, or, you know, pastors, preachers, pundits who think they are Christians, or portray themselves as Christians, or who are actually Christians. They're looking for all those people to, to say, you know what, you keep on saying these things, you keep on saying prayers, you keep on saying this, but what are you actually doing to stop the problem? They don't understand the complexity and the beauty of what hope is. Now, hope is an action word. Because we've been brought into the light. We have now are under that dominion, that authority. And we are supposed, because we know the gospel, because we have bent our knee to Jesus Christ, we are also carriers of the hope. And we are to infect this society with it. We are contagions of hope. We carry hope because it's inside of us. The God of hope lives inside of us so that we might abound, superabound in hope. This is what this is our heart response. This is never when I prayed. This is our heart response. This is what we surrender to Him because nothing else matters but our heart to Him. Paul has been my friend for 40 years plus. And I survived. Yeah. (laughs) You did. And I'm older than him, so I survived longer. Ask him to come up because now it's. You're, yeah, you're coming up. He's, I'm a prop preacher and he's my prop today. <laughs> and I, I, I want him because, see, to me, there have been. God has freedom, freedom fighters of hope all around the world. And Paul is one of my heroes. He won't admit to that. And he won't call himself that. I'll do it. He is a hero. So the voices you heard uh, through the the uh, video is uh, the first voice was Paul Ariaga. He was my first sponsor student. Uh, from 1990 and the second voice was his daughter who graduated in 2014 from college with a degree in psychology and his wife was the other voice who uh, so Paul and his wife are our representatives now for Hope for Change 
and that, so they're giving back. You know, it's a 180-degree thing, so it's really – they're priceless people. Amazing. And the girl at the end, Alan Joy, uh, she graduated last year uh, with a degree in teaching, and she's employed as a teacher, a licensed teacher now. So she's a real – she's my poster child <laughs> for, for our sponsorship program. So. so. Yes. You've been doing this for how long? Well, my first trip to the Philippines was January 1990, and it had nothing to do with being philanthropic whatsoever. <laughs> it was uh, purely a music business trip. Um, back in my former life as a musician, uh, we were uh, we had a band, and we were working with a band called Mindle Lefevre and Broken Heart, which some of you may have heard of. And uh, they were planning a tour of the Philippines, and so two of us went along with them on the trip, and we were facilitated by Youth with a Mission in the Philippines. And when we were in Manila, they asked if anybody would like to go see the work that they were doing at the garbage dump. And uh, so a bunch of us went, and uh, to tell you how I met my first sponsor, child, Paul, who you heard on the video, as we first walked into the squatter housing area, this little girl grabbed me and, what's your name? And I said, oh, my name's Paul. And the whole community got excited and they said, come into our house. And I'm like, what? And then I go into this little shack and they said, wait here. So, and they all disappeared and I'm in this shack <laughs> by myself. And I don't even know what's going you know, The group I'm with, they're gone. You know, they're like... Here I am in this. So what seemed like an hour was only like 30 seconds. They came back with this 15-year-old boy. They said, his name's Paul, too. And they were just so excited that we had the same name. So <laughs> great. So we took pictures, and, and then I caught up with the group, and we did our tour of the garbage dump. And I, I'll tell you, that trip changed my life. Once I saw how people lived and... So when we got back to the office, they, they were telling us about their student sponsorship program, and would you like to, you know, sponsor a child? You can go in the office, go through the cards, and I said, i got to do this. So I went, first card I picked up was Paul, who I had just met. So I said, okay, <laughs> bells, fireworks, you know, something's going on. So that's when I started getting involved in student sponsorship, and uh, after that trip, I just had to go back, and I really, it wasn't like, I'm going to go back and help these people, but it was more like what I saw there in those people, I saw things that I was missing in my life. Like, how could you live in garbage and be content and smile and happy and, you know, if my car doesn't start in the morning, the world's ending, so I just felt like i got to figure this out, so I've I felt like these people had something to teach me, and I can tell you, in the 25-plus years that I've been going, I've learned and received more from them than I've ever given to them. So that's how it all started. When do you, when you think the greatest lesson that you've learned then? You just said you, they taught you many things. What, what do you think is the biggest? Uh, the thing I have the hardest, with, hardest time with, and that's contentment. Mm. That no matter where you are in life, you can be content. And it's because God is able to give us hope. That's mm -hmm. why. So, and these, mm -hmm. these people have hope when none of us would have hope. So. <laughs> yeah. So you 
started going over there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you said, you know what? I'm just going to start this organization called Hope for Change. Yeah, that's how it happened. That's just how it <laughs> No, Hope for Change incorporated in 2008. So there was a lot of years of going before this happened. And really, uh, Pastor James Smith and his wife Sarah from Morningstar, they've been traveling just as long in Africa and India. They're in India right now. And so uh, it was really James's idea to start uh, a, an organization not related to the church, just strictly a nonprofit 501c3 where we can raise money for these projects. And the reason to keep it separate from the church was because there are a lot of people who are not church people who want to help and want to give. And but you know when the church is involved, they're kind of they don't want to do that. So. Um, it's really been beneficial for us because it's opened up doors for people that would normally not be giving, that are giving. So that's how Hope for Change came about. Hey, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is born in a small town, poverty-stricken town. He is one of many Hebrew children born that <coughs> You know, at face value, there's, there's no hope for his future. We know the story, of course. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the hope for a baby that's born in the garbage dump in the Philippines? Uh, well, it's precarious, to say the least. I mean, of course, there's health issues just because of the conditions. Now, a lot of what happened over the years was that it was known as Smoky Mountain Garbage Dump um, because just because of the chemical reactions of the, the garbage and the heat of the sun, it would always smoke. It would always be smoke. That's why they call it Smoky Mountain. Um, it became a very famous place for poverty. So all the TV commercials that were made were always uh, Smoky Mountain kids. And it became an embarrassment to the government. So the president at the time, this was in 1995, President Ramos, came up with the plan to get rid of Smoky Mountain and to move the people off. So he first built temporary housing, and once they were built, they came in with bulldozers and just wiped everything out. And a lot of people didn't want to leave because that was their home. You know, even though it was a squatter area, to them it was their home. So it was a very uh, crazy time. So they moved the people off into temporary housing with the plan to build permanent housing. Well, uh, administrations change and Plans changed. The people stayed in the temporary housing for over 10 years. Um, and then eventually they made the permanent housing. So what it did was it, it changed their living conditions, but it didn't change their economic condition. <laughs> it didn't provide any jobs. So the same thing. So the people, although they're living off the garbage dump, were going back to the dump to scavenge to get the money that they need for the day. So really their lifestyle didn't change other than their living conditions, which was huge, but uh, not enough. Um, But the cycle is vicious and continues. And and the former temporary housing area is now a nightmare squatter area. It's just horrible. It's almost worse than the garbage stuff in many ways and very – Notorious. I mean, I go a lot of places by myself, but that's one place I won't go by myself. <laughs> um, it's bad. 
So depending on where you're living as a child in that community makes a difference. The family makes a difference. Um, so a lot of kids, uh, you know, we, a couple of years ago, one of our sponsored elementary students died from dengue fever, which is curable, but because they don't have the access to health care that they need, uh, unfortunately she passed away. She's only five years old. So um, we've seen a lot of illness, a lot of sickness, um, but it depends on each family. Depends on how a child survives. Um, but what we found <clears throat> that works the best is education. Because once they're able to go through, we sponsor from elementary all the way through college. Once they're able to go all the way through, they're able to get a job. Jobs are available for people who have educations. And their culture is much different than ours. The kids don't leave. They stay and they support the family. They support their younger siblings. So it changes the whole family dynamic when that happens. So, what, What's a typical day like for someone that has to scavenge? In the, in the it's amazing how hard work it is. It's just amazing. I mean, I've watched them in the dump. What, what happens if they're a scavenger? They want to be there when the truck arrives. So, I mean, you know, it's really... So, the dump truck will come in and they just swarm the truck as they're dumping the garbage out. And they've got um, these long metal things that they, they go like this through. And then what they do is they'll collect whatever they can get money for. So if it's plastic, metal, and they go to a recycle. There's like a metal guy that they'll weigh it and then they'll get a certain amount of money for depending amount, you know, per kilo or whatever it is. So... Um, but they're there, I mean, 12-hour days. And you see kids, you know, little kids scavenging, seven, eight years old. They're in there scavenging through garbage. Of course, they have uh, hazmat suits on. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Barefoot, shorts, you know, I mean, it's just, they're in there, you know. It's amazing. It's something you never forget if you see it. It's, you know, it's, it smells wonderful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, and when the, when they were living in the garbage dump, of course, there's no sewage. So you have the combination of garbage, sewage, food, sickness, all that smell can be pretty ripe <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's something. Uh, so what do you think? Then this, the chance of survival for someone who doesn't receive an education or doesn't get help from someone. Well, there are surviving people. I mean, they really are. They, they're, uh, they're ingenious in many ways in the way that they survive. Um, Paul Ariaga's father has scavenged his whole life, and he's in his 60s and he's still going out he's got tuberculosis he's constantly battling tuberculosis the guy is just a survivor it's just you, your heart just goes out to this guy I mean no education and and every day at 60 something years old he's up early and he's either scavenging or he's they, they have a situation where they'll haul water for people he'll get a little bit of money 
it's just heartbreaking, you know, but they're surviving people. Um, it's, it's sad. There are a lot of sad cases. I've seen a lot of sad situations, uh, especially where parents will die leaving kids behind and, and the kids are shuffled around with relatives and or left to be taking care of themselves. It's, it's, uh, it's reality, though. That's, it's, it's, it's real life for them. So. Do you... Um you found, you know, these, these people, you found that these wonderful hearts, that they've been uh, showing you this lesson of contentment. But you also told me of uh, stories of great, great generosity. Oh, they're amazingly generous. You know, you go in their homes and they'll give you, they'll give you their meal. You know, they'll take the family meal and give it to you just because that's, I, I think every nation, I had this conversation with somebody one time and we were talking about like, as a nation, people are a certain way. And I think the Philippines, that nation, their gift is hospitality. And you see it no matter where you go. If you meet, if, Especially so many of them are nurses. So you just go to the hospital and you'll see how caring and hospitable they are. That's the nature of, of the culture and the people. So no matter what, it, they won't think about, oh, this is our, we can't. They'll just give it to you. Oh, can here eat? Here, go, go eat, you know. And that's just their heart. They're generous and, and hospitable. That's the heart of the people. What does that do to your heart? Well, it may, you know, it, what I've learned, and you'll hear a lot of people who are involved in missions or whatever, is that you really need to be culturally sensitive. So your first reaction as an American is like, no, 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 you know, but that will offend them. If you don't take the food, never in times eating in the garbage dump is something you don't want to do. <laughs> um, because the after effects can be very exciting. Um, but so you have to learn how to be sensitive to them culturally in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Yes, sir. Okay, first, we, this is this upcoming school year. Those prices are higher. It's the first time we've had to raise our prices in eight years. <laughs> I apologize that they're higher than normal, but the $105, all the sponsorship money, it's for the year. And what it does, what we do is we utilize the public school system. So for high school and elementary, they're going to public school just like they would go here. The issue over there is you have to be able to provide what you need to go to school. So they all wear school uniforms, so they have to buy their uniforms. They have to buy their own school supplies. Some of them need transportation money to get to school. So what our sponsorship does is provides everything that that child needs to go to school so that the burden is off the family. So because if, if they can't afford it, they won't go to school, no matter if it's elementary or high school. The parents will say, we don't have it, you're not going. So the kids are just hanging out all day on the street or whatever. Uh, when we get to the college level, it, there's tuition involved. So that's why the cost is more. Um, but the same thing. We provide whatever they need for the year to go to school. So that, that's what sponsorship is. They come back to wherever they live, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the uniform's a blessing because... When they go to school, nobody knows the difference. 
it's not like I got Reeboks. You don't. You know, it's, we're all wearing the same thing. So it's, for really for them, the uniform is a blessing. You, like if the kids were not, they're in school, they're not scavenging. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, that has happened. Yeah. Say, well, no. If you go to school, then you can't help us. Right. Yeah, that has happened, and we've had to really have the discussion. <laughs> Say, you really need to. They need to go because, and you really explain the benefit will be, you know, much better than the what you're thinking. Yeah. does seem that way that the, that the the boys will be sent out to to do to get some money yeah so so we do have actually more girls and boys and overall you know in, in every grade level we have more girls and boys so i think that's part of it i don't think that's the whole reason that's part of it i think just population seems to be more girls than boys yeah yeah. So. Well, in America, it's difficult to get a job. Yeah, you have to have a college degree. It's amazing. Like even the clerks in the mall at the store, they have to have a college degree. Okay. So, yeah. The biggest need uh, financially for us is college. Uh, because that's the most crucial for them. And so we, because it's so much more money, we have less people sponsored in college kids than we do elementary and high school. But um, it's, it's, we'd like to add more college students. That's, that's the thing. And we can't. So, so as far as what we're doing, the need is more for the college level. In, in whatever way. I mean, we know that's a lot of money for some people. So, you know, we, we will tell some people if you want to just contribute to that fund, you don't have to actually sponsor a student. You know, we tell people they can do that. So. And we have people that are that are specifically sponsoring this child, and they'll stay with them as long as they, you know, we want them to stay through the whole way, but, you know, as long as they can afford it, they, they'll stay with that child. We've had some kids that have gone all the way from elementary all the way through college to the sponsorship programs. Yeah, there's more kids than money, so <laughs> we have to... Um, in Mar the school year runs from June to March, and so at the end of March, I'm always there the month of March because everything's going on. We have graduation celebration, you know, kids, but it's also when we start the interview process. So what we do is we notify the community that we're going to have uh, 
you know, these three days are going to be days where you can apply and come. So they have to, their grade level has to be a certain, they have to have good grades. Um, and we need to make sure that there is really a need because sometimes people want to get free money. Um, so there's a whole process of interview that very um, labor intensive. <laughs> it's very consuming. Um, but it's great because they come, it, it's great for me because uh, to be there during that time because I, 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 no matter what, I always try to visit the kids in their homes all the time. But I'm assured that they're going to be there. And it's easier for me because they come to the office rather than me going. <laughs> um, so we have time to really sit down with, the, it's usually just one parent, um, and really get into, they bring their grades, we go over everything, you know. And so it's a, it's a labor-intensive process, but it's a good process to go through. There's uh, usually a meal during the school day, um, but a lot of them don't have food before the school day. So we we have had times where we provided uh, like a, a breakfast for them before they go to school. But but we also that's part of the whole thing with meeting with the families is to make sure that they do they are being fed because if not, we'll help the family with food also. There are, because we partner with YWAM, so we're not the only ones sponsoring. Um, there are over 300 kids in the program. Uh, about 100 are ours, so, and, but we want to increase that. So that's our hope for next year. Are you still planning on going over there for several months? Six weeks. We're leaving February 15th, and then we'll be back March 28th. It's Manila. It's it's uh, Tondo, Manila, which is it's interesting when I travel there because I I always get as you're traveling you, you end up traveling with Filipinos right because they're all going back right so I always get in this conversation and I always get these same three questions oh so they say oh we're going back to Philippines yeah I've got it. oh you have Filipino wife no I don't have a Filipino wife. Question number one. Question number two. Oh, you're going on vacation. You're going to Boracay, which is a very famous beach resort. No, I'm not going on vacation. <laughs> Third question. Oh, so where do you stay? And I say, I stay in Tondo, Manila. And always the reaction is, oh, don't go there. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's like staying, I'm going to the South Bronx. I mean, you know, like pick the, pick the worst spot. That's where I'm going. So that people always, freak, if they're Filipino, they always freak out. Don't go there. It's, I said, well, I've been going there for 25 years. So, but yeah, it's like the worst slum in, in Manila. That's where we go. <laughs> no, thankfully. No. Um, it's you know what's interesting is first of all Filipinos don't even go there. So, <laughs> so I stand out like a sore thumb. You know so. And at this point, so many people know who I am anyway. But they know if this guy's coming here, he's coming here because he's helping us. I mean, that, that's so the community pretty much understands.
uh, it's, it's funny. My, I'm known as Daddy Paul over there. That's, so, uh, so, for example, I'm walking, uh, you know, I, I just, every day I'll go to the community, you know, by myself usually. And, and so I'm walking past these group of ruffians, young ruffians hanging out, and they start kind of not harassing me, but like, you know, hey, man, hey, you know, it's very common. But I always stop. And, okay, you know, let's have this. So we're talking, and I can speak some Tagalog. So they're like, whoa, you speak Tagalog. And so they're, they're all hanging out, and they have these, what's called a sidecar, which is a bicycle with a sidecar, and, and they make money giving you rides. So there's a bunch of them lined up, and that's where these kids are hanging all on. So there's a girl inside one of them, and I have no idea who she is. And she, she sticks her head out, and she slaps one of the boys who is, you know, carrying on. She says, don't you know who that is? That's Daddy Paul. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Thank you, but I don't know who you are. So it's funny. It's crazy. So I stand out. You know, obviously I stand out. So, so they know, and the community knows why I'm there. And and I, when I go visit the kids, the the housing units that they live in, they're five stories, and with uh, units. And each unit is like um, like this width, and about that long is, is is a unit, and it'll have a loft, and you can have up to sixteen people living in there. I've seen it, <laughs> and I say. How do you people sleep, man? Just line up. So um, anyway, you go. There's no elevator. So if if your student lives on 506, you know you're going up five flights of stairs. So, but that's my favorite part. I love going visiting the families and hanging out and stuff. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a guy visiting the YWAM base, a former LA cop, really cool guy, and he, he goes back a lot. So he asked me, when, can I go with you when you're visiting? I said, yeah, let's go, you know. So we're walking through the building, and he stops me and said, if we were in L.A. in one of these buildings, we'd be dead right now. <laughs> he said, I just want you to know, we'd be dead right now. He says, and you're talking to everybody? And I was, yeah, well, I don't know. They just know why I'm there, I guess. So, um, but I, I haven't – I've had situations where I think it could have been bad, but, you know, we got out of them and it was okay, but yeah. <clears throat> Any other questions for Paul? Elementary is 105 a year. Uh, high school is 150 a year, and college is now 625 for the year. That includes tuition and whatever they need. Uh, just so that you know, uh, Paul pays his own way to the Philippines. Yeah, Hope for Change, since we've incorporated, we've used almost 100% of all of them. I mean, we have to buy uh, printer ink and stuff like exactly. postage, but we all pay our own way, and all the money goes directly to whatever. And how many do you think you've taken to the Philippines? Have I taken? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe close to 30. Paul, he's either paid for it out of his own pocket or other people have helped him 
but it's, uh, it hasn't come from hope from change. No. Uh, it's come from his own pockets. And the same with the other directors, the James and, and Sarah. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, they, they try not to use the money that's given, except for those essential needs and maybe some small administrative costs. Mm-hmm. It's very minor. And so... No, it's different. In India, we sponsor a school, not individual students, but we, there's a residential school that we support. In Africa, um, most of it is water, like drilling wells, because it's a huge problem there. And we have partners who are involved in well drilling. So when it comes to Africa, we'd like most people to give towards that. There, is some, there are a couple of people that sponsor some students in Africa, but it's different than ours in the Philippines. So mostly Africa is water. And in Nagaland, India, where we sponsor the school, there was a water issue. But thankfully, two years ago, we were able to drill a well for them. They're calling it the miracle well because it hasn't gone dry yet. <laughs> but before that, what they would have to do is they would have to harvest water during the monsoon season and store it. And then once when that ran out, they would have to go buy water every couple of days they just buy water but now that's totally changed their life yeah it's really great well our family uh we we sponsor a child and sarah sponsors one on on her own two two college students two college students and it is great you get a letter from them and and it's just just a wonderful treat and you know, it's just a whole part of that. You know, there's 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 organizations in place where that always are asking for money. There's, there's countless of them, but we have a personal connection, obviously here. And I know Paul's heart. I know uh, Pastor James' heart and his wife Sarah, uh, and uh, your wife Vanessa goes to for Africa as she's a nurse, so she goes over there and works at clinics and. Uh, just the amazing impact that we can have just by partnering with Hope for Change. And it's a whole thing about here's, here's an opportunity where we can be hope bearers, but we don't actually have to go to the Philippines. Paul would be glad to take you to the Philippines. <laughs> if you want to go, he does take other people. I was supposed to go a couple of years ago and didn't make it. Still working on it. Still working on it. There's hope for change. Maybe not for me. I don't know. I might be. But, uh, you know, if you want to make a donation today, uh, and, you know, with the giving boxes, just making out for hope and change, right? That would yeah. be good. Sure. Or you can make it out to us, and we'll make sure Paul gets it. Uh, um, and also, you guys have given those boxes the last few years. This, the college students, uh, it's going to be four years now, they came up with the idea themselves to go reach out to a neighboring community, squatter-type area, and reach out to the kids. So they call it. 414, kids from 4 to 14 years old. And they go on Saturdays, they feed them, and then they spend time with them. They do, you know, songs and some Bible studies sometimes, things like that. And they've actually expanded it to, remember I told you about the temporary housing area that's really bad. They're also doing it there. So, and it's all their initiation, which these kids are just amazing. So, um, anyway, the boxes that you guys made up went to those kids in the 414. Oh, anything like you gave like stuffed animals, stuff like that. 
supplies. school supplies, crayons, pads, stuff like that. T-shirts, yeah, yeah, kids' T-shirts. Yes, yeah, anything like that, and they go nuts for it. So, literally, go nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> Well, because our partnership is because our partnership is with Youth with a Mission, so they have a lot of that going on. Um, that's not our focus, but that's their focus. So, uh, yeah, they do. I mean, they're, they're weekly meetings with the, with all of them. With the each grade level, they have a weekly meeting they have to go to at least at least one. It's a college sometimes twice a week. So, and I often will post a video from that four four team group. Uh, on, on our Facebook page, often because and they're they're being led in worship, you know, and the kids are learning worship songs and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just so it's a it's a complete package. Obviously, you know, we talk about uh, being uh, help education is big over there, so it's a need, and it's one way that we can show that the gospel is everywhere, and the YWAM pr- produces all the the Christian material for them to to get introduced to Christ along the way. So, you know, feed them, give them an education, introduce them to Jesus. It's getting, you know, the whole package for them. And it's, uh, I don't know of anything that does all that at the same mm. same time. And plus, you have a personal ambassador, let me know, that can actually go there and touches these people's, actually touches them, mm-hmm. you know, which is something for them as, you know, there's, there's a wonderful story that Paul told us last time about this little girl that had was had AIDS, and she was covered with open sores and crawled into Paul's lap. Mm. And he went to visit her at, at, well, went to visit an orphanage, and she just came running up to you. And, to ha- you know, at the, this was at the height of what we didn't really understand what AIDS was all about. Mm. And this girl who has open sores and jumps into Paul's lap just because she didn't have anyone to touch her. No one would touch her. And somehow, he almost didn't have a choice. She just jumped into your lap. It was <laughs> almost, but you could have, you could have distanced yourself. Yeah. And to me, that was one of the most heroic things I've ever heard. Well, my first reaction was to distance myself. And then I clearly, I don't claim to hear God's voice, but at that moment, <laughs> I heard it because it was like, who would be the first one I would go to? That, I mean, I, as clear as a bell, I was like, okay, that's the one. Yeah. And she died two weeks after, actually. So. And, and that might have been the only physical touch that she's had. In yeah, she was abandoned. You can tell the story. She was, she was left at the doorstep of this AIDS clinic in a hospital, just left to die. And so she they didn't even have a bed for her. They, they took a fold-out bed and put it in the lobby. That's where she stayed. And nobody came to visit her. Nobody would go near her because she was... Physically, you could see she was she had open sores and stuff. So, you know, again, at that point, at, back in that time, AIDS was such a, you know, like the plague. So you, you didn't know how to deal with it. And um, so there she was. Just, I'll never forget to this day. I'll never forget how hot her body was from fever when I when I was holding her. Just unbelievable. So. I said, oh, going to go for it. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know either. I didn't know if, you know, we, nobody knew. Is it contagious? Do you get it from touching somebody? And um, just at that point, it didn't matter to me. And that's, 
that's the marvelous thing that I love about you as my brother. And uh, uh, when I get teared up about it, it's because I think of he he won't he won't mention these things to you. you know, uh, that he he doesn't think of himself as a hero, but I do. And uh, I'm glad he's been part of my life for 40 years. So. You know, when we were young men sitting on the beach, we never thought that we'd be standing together. You know, would you know? No, uh, that's for sure. You know, and God's done a, a great thing. So, if, if anybody doesn't have any other questions, I'd just like to pray for for Paul and for hope and change. Sure. And we can go from there. You know, again, if you want to make a donation, give your boxes out there. Just make it for hope and change. One more question. And Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to the website, and um, so the sponsorship. If you so, like I said, the school year is from June to March. So, if you decide to sponsor now, it'll probably be for the upcoming school year, uh, starting beginning next June. But you can make a general. Yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can do do it all on the website. There's some information out there about the giving box uh, for both for change, but. I'm usually, they're on Facebook, so you can find them easily and things like that. But uh, usually I post up, uh, when Paul posts up, on our Facebook page. So make that connection very easily. Groovy. I guess that's it. (laughs) So let's pray for Paul and for Hope for Change and all the people that he ministers to. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that, you know, you do things in a personal way, that you send people places, that you bring people into our lives, and that you make your way known. Paul had no idea all those years ago why you were sending him to the Philippines, but you knew. And out of that came this wonderful vision, and I thank you for it. I thank you that you express your heart, your father's heart through Paul, where he gets this honorary title of Papa Paul. You know, just... I just thank you for that because that's just a wonderful expression of of your heart and your love. So what we pray for, we pray for the release of funds so that they can touch more lives, so that they can bring more hope into people's lives, so that these these cycles, these these secular things, these things can be broken, you know. So we do pray for the release of funds. We pray for people that we might want to volunteer and go over there and work with Hope for Change or work in some other capacities. Then we pray for more partnerships so that the reach and the effectiveness will be uh, just grow. Father, and what I pray for also, though, is for Paul. I pray for his protection. I thank you that you protected him all these years from, from disease and sickness and, and from physical harm, that you've given him strength and endurance to make all these trips, that you provided for him financially to do all these things. So we pray for that as well. We, play, we pray for a release of funds for Paul to be able to do these trips, you know, that it doesn't drain his bank account. Father, I just pray for his health. I pray for Vanessa's health. I pray for their uh, physical well-being, their mental well-being, their relational well-being. Mm-hmm. I pray shalom, peace over them, and that you would bring others into the kingdom because of what Hope for Change is doing in the Philippines, in Africa, in India, and wherever else the, uh, you choose to send them. We thank you for this, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have any other questions for him, Paul, just hang around for a while in our fellowship hour, and you are released. Thank you for coming today.